If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. All right, Corey, last episode was a little weird. Yes. We, <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we did a book club about Voyage to Alpha Centauri, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that weirdly... That conversation that we just had in the last episode about UFOs sort of paralleled that book club episode about the book Voyage Novel because mm-hmm. it starts off with them having this really scientific explanation of where they're going and what mm-hmm. happened. And when they get to Alpha Centauri and they find the alien ruins, they've got this rationalistic material scientific explanation. And then, of course, they discover that there's more going on and that there's the demonic mm-hmm. and angels and demons that's behind it. Right, which which doesn't mean that the physical, scientifically observable phenomenon that they saw weren't real or didn't exist, but there was also a deeper spiritual reality behind and, and sort of orchestrating that. It didn't necessarily get into aliens specifically because there were no intelligent aliens in that book. But Well, right, but I guess that's the point. Except is for that, the demons, is you is might that, say. Well, yeah, but I mean, see, I, that's the whole point, is that they, in that book, had, remember, banished religion in the society. Mm-hmm. They had banished particularly Catholicism, right? Right, And they suppressed it, and they suppressed any religion. They suppressed Christianity. They suppressed Catholicism. And so the, what they had was a scientific frame for everything that they saw, and then that they organized the data to fit within that frame, right. and they completely did not have a frame for things that would involve angels and demons. Right, right. And that's what we're going to talk about now is angels and demons. Yes. Now, what's interesting about this, I think, or many things, the difference between this and our last conversation is we said in the last conversation, the Catholic teaching about the whether there's other life on other planets is not dogmatic. But this, what we're going to talk about now, this is dogmatic. Mm-hmm. There is a Satan. There are angels. There are demons. There are fallen angels. This is dogmatic teaching, right? Yeah, and, and in that sense, we kind of begged the question last time because are there other in- intelligent creatures? Yes, there are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we know that. And they're, they're here and presumably in other parts of the universe as well. Well, but, like I said at the end of the last episode, I mean, that's what creeps me out about listening to these congressional testimonies. Now, these guys in suits up there going, well, mm-hmm. it's maybe maybe it's not E.T. flying here from 200 light years away. Maybe it's just a non-human intelligence coming to us through a portal from a higher plane of existence or that has always lived on this planet before us. And I go, well, mm-hmm. dude, you're describing... Demons, right? Demons. And, and, and I know we, we mentioned last time that we'll have to talk about Lewis's space trilogy at, yeah. at some point, but in our conversations about this subject, you've mentioned that several times, and, it, and it's totally relevant because demons are involved there, and he also has a discussion of terrestrial physical life, other right. other physical creatures like us. So Well, okay. So, so angels and this, demons though. are dogmatic. Yeah. They mm-hmm. are part of Christian teaching, particularly in Catholic teaching, and mm-hmm. Catholic teaching is fairly well-developed on this. And remember, we did an episode where we talked about the difference between dogma and doctrine. Right, right, right. Dogma is something that is rooted, revealed in Scripture. Yes. Right? 
And so it's the highest form. So we believe that Jesus rose on the third day because that's dogmatically revealed to right. us, right? right? Whereas our other things are doctrinal implications of that or that come out of magisterial teaching, which is also, or also true, but they're sort of a different category. But w- what we're going to share now, at least some of this is dogmatic and some of it is doctrinal. Yeah, we'll start with the dogmatic, the things that are known okay. to be true that are here printed in black and white in the okay. catechism that I've got in front of me. You, okay, and, then so we, and then we can go into theology. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why don't you just take it away with the things that are pl- black and white, read from the catechism of the Catholic Church. All right, I won't, I won't, I will sum up because I don't want to just read it at the, at right. the kind uh, listeners. So angels are creatures of God like we are. They're intelligent creatures like we are, and they're spiritual in nature. So they do not have a physical body like you and I, and therefore they're typically invisible because typically we can only see things that have bodies that are made out of matter. And so God created them. They are created to serve and to worship him. In some ways that makes them similar to us, but in other ways they're different. They are Jesus's angels. He's called the Lord of the heavenly hosts. They're his his army, his workforce, however you want to, whatever metaphor or comparison you want to use, they serve his purposes in the world. And they are related to the church and to mankind. This is a a scriptural idea that, that the church holds, that individuals have guardian angels, that God has tasked angels with protecting and guiding us and trying to to steer us towards him and towards salvation. Angels have other tasks that Christ assigns them, especially related to the, to the church and to helping mankind come, come to knowing and loving and serving God. And that's the, the basic concept. We have some other data from scripture about angels. We know the names of a few of them and, and what they do, but, but that's sort of the, the basic content of the, the dogmatic doctrine of angels. Right. Right. Okay. Describe a little bit more about their nature. They're intelligent and they are moral. So when we mm-hmm. talk about mankind, Catholic teaching on mankind is that we have a soul. Right. And we have a rational soul. Right. Right. And so we've talked before about Thomistic doctrine. Dante talks about that, right? We have a, we have a will, mm-hmm. right? We have intellect and will. And we also have moral accountability, but right. that's married in a physical being. Right. Right. Now, what with the angels, right, they have intellect. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, their intellect is superior to ours, to the best of our knowledge. Right. Yeah. They are, they are described in scripture as having a superior intellect to us, in some sense, being a more perfect creature. That doesn't mean it's bad to have a body or that we're a, less, a lesser kind of creature, but they have intellectual excellences that exceed ours because that's the kind of creature that they are. God, God made them to be holy intellectual creatures. And and there's another important difference between angels and, and human well, let's beings. Let's stick with the intellect yeah, first, go, go just ahead. a second. Yeah. Because like Dante says, one of the things about their intellect is they can see or intellectually appreciate or see or be aware of, know, understand God and the reality of his creation in in a more perfect way right, right? And, and in a in a sense in a less mediated way because yes. as, as physical creatures we find things out through our senses we we right. see or we touch or we taste and, and they don't gain information like that they right. gain it in a in a more direct and intellectual way that with with their mind in, in a way that kind of doesn't even compute with us necessarily right they they in a sense can see or know 
God and the higher realities, and they can see the creation in a sort of from a different perspective than we can. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say also? Because yeah. I was going to go to the will. Well, I think this is related to that. I was going to say that as as physical beings with bodies, we are subject to change. Um, yeah. We our our wills flop back and forth. Today, I'm I'm willing to do the good and to follow God, and tomorrow I'm sinning and I'm yeah. I'm willing the opposite. The moral agency of the human being is subject to change into to many whims that arise from our body um, and, and our status as physical beings. Angels are different than that. They don't have the changeability and the sort of flip-flop nature right. that we have and, and with us um, that all terminates with our with our death. Like we we have our, we have our life in this flesh in order to align our will towards God or not. Um, angels, not having that changeability that comes with the body sort of had a fundamental choice either to obey and love and serve God or to disobey and to hate and rebel against God. And that's where we can get into the conversation about demons too. But it's an angel isn't following and serving God one day and then not following and serving God the other day. They're, They're confirmed in their will. Yeah, confirmed in their will. That's the term. And so, right, so the angels make choices, but the the point I want to make is that they have the capacity to choose. Right. They're, so they they're not the, robots. They're not a, yeah. Yeah. And and they have the capacity to know the truth, mm-hmm. and they have the capacity to choose whether to follow or obey the truth or right. be in conformity with it. But you don't have to worry that, like, your guardian angel tomorrow no, is going to choose. No, 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 no. Yeah. Because we'll, we'll get into that second. For example, certain choices for mankind are confirmed. So once Adam and Eve chose, then therefore the choice of original sin was made for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't get to every generation re, you know, get asked again. Rehash that. Yeah, yeah. rehash hash that. That choice was made for us. As, as I said to Ed in the episode on baptism, it's the analogy that I would use. It'd be like, well, eight generations ago, my great, great, whatever grandfather decided to immigrate from, you know, wherever the old country to America. Mm-hmm. And therefore he made a choice for all of his descendants that they would then be here. So they don't all get to choose to immigrate to America <laughs> because that choice has been made. In right. the same way Adam and Eve chose to leave the homeland, right? To immigrate out of Eden right. in a sense. Yeah. And so all of us inherited that. And then also the other thing that is confirmed is, and this is Catholic teaching, that should be concerning to all of us that upon death we have confirmed our choices. We don't right. get second, we don't get mulligans in the afterlife. Right. We pass out of this body with its changeability and, and the the variability of our will. Right. And if we have chosen to be in friendship with God, then that's what we receive. And if we've chosen the opposite, then we don't. And of course, we're going to be resurrected. Yep. And because the body that we're resurrected in is going to be perfected, glorified, right. like Jesus's body, we're not then going to have to redo the whole thing and, and decide right. whether or not we want to follow God or not. But in, in in this changeable flesh that we're in, we, yeah, the the choice is made when you die. Right. And and because of that, the, the the and I think this goes to that issue of changeability that the the moral dimension to those choices are a little bit different than ours, mm-hmm. because we're presented with moral dilemmas in a way that angels aren't, or demons aren't. So they either chose to follow God or not follow God. They chose to 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 live in the way of truth and good and beauty, right? Mm-hmm. The transcendental qualities of God, or to reject them. 
Right. But they don't, as you said, on a day-to-day basis have to wrestle with the gradations of moral reality, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But here's the other difference, and this is a difference that's so easy for us to skip over that we shouldn't. And that is that, well, we have bodies and they don't. And a lot of times it's like, well, okay, and then we have bodies and don't. But that's the critical difference. Right. That's the fundamental difference. That's the fundamental difference because here's the thing that is not said about angels. What was it that God said about man in Genesis 1? We shall create mankind in in our image. Yeah. That's not said about angels. And it's why in Scripture on the Psalms that that we were created for a little while lesser than the angels. Mm -hmm. And the traditional explanation for why some of the angels rebelled, which we'll get into in a minute, is that they looked with jealousy upon the creation of man because man, in one's first sense, when Adam and Eve were created, you go, well, they looked at that and said, well, they aren't as smart as us, right? And they don't have uh, some of the, the capacity. They're not as powerful. In as a powerful sense. Yeah. as we are. But in a sort of embryonic state, they can grow into being like God. Mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine. I'm not sure I exactly like the way he phrased it. But, but he said, you know, like when you look at classes or categories, we could become uh, like into the God class mm-hmm. in the sense that we were created in his image and we can become like him right it, the the angel is not going to change in the new creation or in the resurrection they they're made good um, there's nothing wrong with them but they will remain the same when christ returns but because god chose to take on a human nature and he redeems us and he makes us as, as saint peter says sharers of his divine nature when we are resurrected when when we're glorified we will be like Jesus Christ, who is the, the King and Lord and God of the whole universe. And we will, it, it, what St. Paul says, we will judge angels. Yeah, we will judge angels. Right, we will be over them in the hierarchy. Over them and the hierarchy. And we, and, and I'm gonna go back to this issue of even Adam and Eve, prior to that, we had the capacity to become that. Right. In a sense, like, right, like all living things, you you know, the bear has a bear cub, but it can grow into a, a right. or, you know, a big bear. In the sense, when God created Adam and Eve, he created sort of these creatures in their infancy mm-hmm. that had the capacity to grow into, and it had, should there had not been a fall, mankind would have grown into this maturity as sons and daughters of God, in a sense, mm-hmm. um, having gr- his image. Yeah, and, and, and you see that in the... I mean, talking about angels is a great way, actually, to talk about anthropology, the, right. the nature of man. Because God created a a spiritual animal or, or right. a creature that that fits yep. into both categories, the spirit yep. and the the flesh or the the physical and the material. And and of course Christ is both divine, human, spiritual, and and physical, and therefore he rules over the whole of creation. And mankind as being both spiritual and physical rules over all of creation in a way and is involved in all of creation in a way that an angel is not because an angel has a, a more univocal sort right. of sort of nature. It's of just one type, whereas mankind is of two, two different types. Well, I mean, to that, and then I want to make another point that just occurred to me, but to that, one of the old ideas, I mean, Christian writers, I won't say one, but it's an old Christian idea that's been repeated, you know, a thousand mm-hmm. times over 2,000 years, and that is, is that 
an angel might sort of understand the creation of a rose, a flower. Way better than I could. Yeah. In way better than I could. In a sense, it may understand the molecular realities or something of the nature and the essences of it, right? But it can never smell it. Mm-hmm. It can never taste an orange. It can never it can never have a kiss. It can never hold a baby. And in that sense, this was the jealousy. We'll get to the demons in a second. Mm-hmm. At least the, one of the old explanations is, is that one of the reasons why Satan and the other angels rebelled is they were threatened by the creation of this being that, while on the one hand, seemed lesser than them, had the capacity to become greater than them. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the demons and the rebellion of, of them, another thought I want to have at angels is this issue of what did it mean to be made in God's image, to be created in God's image. And one of the things about that is that sort of one of the obvious things when you say created in God's image is that God has the capacity to create. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve had the capacity to create life. Sure. Yeah. And angels. Angels do not have the capacity to create. And demons certainly don't have the capacity to create. Right. Right. And one of the things, because, you know, this is always the thing, well, what do you mean we're created in God's image? Well, God is a creator who creates us to be creators, Mm -hmm. creators of life, creators of things, creators of poetry, creators of of architecture, creators of, you know, Mm -hmm. angels. And stewards of the earth. Yeah, Yeah. and and, and angels and demons don't have that creative capacity, which is interesting because in our last conversations about UFOs and all that, one of my things is that that Satan and the the demons, we'll get that in a second, can create nothing. And so what they do is they can work on us with deception to prey upon us and to prey upon our impressions of things, but they can't create something. Right. And in fact, it's interesting. And remember when we did the book club on Voyage to Alpha Centauri, the way that it worked is that the demons could not create a spaceship. They had to they had to illumine the humans to create the spaceship because right. they can't create anything. And convince them to do it. Yeah. Right. And so that's another thing about the distinction between us and the angelic class of beings is that another reason perhaps for the jealousy that led some of them to rebel because God created us in his image. And that's where after a while we rise up and become creators ourselves Mm -hmm. and creators of life which is something they could never do yeah and i think that's all right i wouldn't want to go too far with it and and convey the impression that the angels are like sitting around doing nothing because they have no creative potential like that god has given them plenty of different tasks oh that's not mean they're doing anything but they can't create new life right it's not clear that angels can create more angels right exactly for example or that angels can create civilizations, or that angels create art, mm-hmm. or that, right? In fact, all that we know, and then I'll go to the testimony of theologians and artists like Dante and everything else, is that, that the angels don't sort of make things. That doesn't mean they aren't busy, right? but they don't have, well, we have that creative capacity from God. Right, right. Okay, let me just quickly give something here, which is, why don't you frame it while I pull it up, and that's the categories... Uh, yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got the hierarchies and categories here. Explain yeah, where this so, comes from. So we just dealt with all of the dogmatic realities or facts about angels, but then of course there's been plenty of theological reflection through the ages, and so 
There's a concept known as the nine choirs of angels, which is split into three hierarchies, so three sets of three. It's an ancient idea that goes back to a, a writer named Dionysius, was developed further by St. Thomas Aquinas in the Middle Ages. And so it's not dogmatic in the sense that we know absolutely for sure that this is exactly how the angels are organized, but it's based on what data we have from the scriptures and the reflection of the of the saints and, and doctors of the church on it. So it's based on what we know about that there are different kinds of angels and that God has assigned them different types of tasks. Yeah. And what's interesting, right? I mean, so some of these that I'm going to read here, these words, I mean, these names, these categories of them are, are these words come from scripture. Right. 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 But then they were organized. So let me get this. So there's basically these nine choirs or mm -hmm. you might say nine categories or classes of angels. Yeah. And they're organized in three hierarchies uh, by Thomas Aquinas. Right. Uh, and this is the way, like you said, it started earlier, but this is sort of Thomas Aquinas's the angelic doctor. Yes, yeah. The angelic doctor's organization of them. So the first hierarchy, which is the highest hierarchy, is focused on contemplation of God. You talk right. about what they do. What they do is they stand in the throne room of God and contemplate him and, you and worship him. And you see visions in the scriptures, Old and New Testament, right. in which there are angels doing just that. Okay, and the highest of them, so there's three of them in this first hierarchy, and they are in descending order, seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. Just somebody seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. Yeah, those are Hebrew words, so. I know. That's why, I know how to pronounce them. Well, that's why I use im, because <laughs> in Hebrew, it's plural. Right, im you know is, Hebrew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In Hebrew, plural is mm. im. Mm. So uh, the seraphim would be, seraph would be one. Right. And more than one is our seraphim, right? One is a cherub. More than one is cherubim, or mm. you know, we say cherub, seraphim, cherubim. But that's what that means. And then thrones, okay? And you see that, like you say, we can go to Isaiah, we can go to the book of Revelation, like five and six, where, mm -hmm. you know, John has this revelation, he sees the, the seraphim and the cherubim and the thrones, all of these powers, and they're basically, their job is mm -hmm. to uh, stand before God and contemplate and worship and adore him. Right, give him glory. Give him yeah. glory. Then we descend to the second category, and these are interesting. The second hierarchy is concerned with the governance of the universe. And mm -hmm. I mean, we could go and we got to do this space trilogy yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. book thing because that's where it comes that, that there are certain angelic forces and powers that in a sense govern and guide the universe. Right. Yeah. And have right keep the planets in there. And we don't know exactly how that works how and exactly how that how, works. how an angel interacts with, you know, molecules or planets. We don't know, but, but gravity, we, but yeah, yeah, but I mean in some sense like you say it's doctrinal because it kind of comes from hints in scripture. Yeah, the, there's there's no doubt in the scriptures that that God sets his angels over the universe in order to govern and and rule it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So these three, so this is four, five, and six when we're counting down the nine. Mm -hmm. So the second category is number four is dominions, virtues, and powers. Mm -hmm. And again, there's hints in scripture about these things that this is that God, in a sense, they are God's intermediaries or his servants that that sort of guide the creation and govern the creation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The universe. And then we get to the last hierarchy, the lowest hierarchy, which are those involved with human affairs. Right. Okay? And so this is seven, eight, nine in terms of the nine uh, classes. 
and they are principalities, archangels, and angels. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting is the word angel actually means messenger. Right, and and I think the catechism quotes this, but the, the doctors of the church say, we use angel basically because we don't have a word for everything right. else. I mean, we could just call them spirits, I suppose, because right. because they're all um, non right. non physical spiritual right. beings. But when you call a seraph an angel, that, right. in in some sense, there's a, a sort of inaccuracy there because the seraph's job isn't to be a messenger. The, exactly, the seraph's job is to to sing God's praises. Exactly. So we use the word angel in two ways. Yeah. One is we use the word we have come to use the word angel in a generic sense for all of these spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. But 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 within that set, there's a subset that specifically have the job of being messengers, and that's what the word angel actually means as messengers. And what I think is interesting about this is that the messengers or the angels in the Bible or whatever, even the archangels, like Archangel Michael, mm -hmm. the he you know on the on the hierarchy. The Archangel Michael is number eight out of nine, mm -hmm. right? He's, he's the second to the lowest category, and the angels that you normally see, your guardian angels, your this, your that, are the lowest of category of these spiritual beings. Yeah, and, and I think it would be misguided to say like, oh, then, you know, they're like we, we wouldn't want to assign you know like derision or contempt to them. And no, like, no, oh, it's, it's, it's not just, that. It's just you know it's just a piddly little angel. Like they're they're they all serve God's purpose in the way that He has He has assigned them, and it may be that it is a higher calling to to right. praise God without ceasing in His throne room. That is true, but it doesn't make the the task of the the sort of garden variety you might say a angel or guardian angel something that that isn't well, important I, I mean I don't certainly mean it yeah. that way in fact yeah. uh, quite, quite I, the opposite. I just what I, I, say I see is, that arising potentially you know, in what, the mind what, what of I it. say when you look at you know powerful angels the Archangel mm -hmm. Michael or Gabriel what we in my mind it actually works the other way that I go and as powerful and awesome as they are they are only the beginning right of, of the majesty of these beings that project from there and then I think we also remember that you know God came Christ came and he he exalts the humble and the lowly. So just because some angel is at what we would say is the bottom of the hierarchy doesn't mean that it's not exalted in some sense. Deal, oh, no, no, dealing no, 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 no. dealing with us troublesome humans is a very high and exalted task. I mean, think think of what the archangels do. Right. Satan is in, I, I'm sorry, Michael is in charge of the heavenly armies. Uh, Gabriel delivered the most important messages that have ever right. been delivered about, about the birth of Christ. Yeah, no one's, no one's, yeah. no one's turned on his stock smack about the archangels. <laughs> angels. That's not my point. Yeah, no, my point and is, I, wasn't, I wasn't ascribing that to you. I'm yeah. just saying, like, when, when we describe because of our sinful way of thinking about leadership, when you describe a hierarchy and you say, oh, they're at the bottom of the totem pole, there's, I think, just a, a bad habit of mind that, that can often arise and be like, oh, they're less well, important. Or well, I not, think the better, the better habit of mind is to realize that the, the issue of human affairs, that God in his being is an absolute and that human affairs, it puts human affairs in perspective mm -hmm. because... It is not as if human affairs are the only thing that God or the angels are concerned with. There's Yet, things that right. go beyond our imagination that we have not even understood or contemplated or are even capable of understanding about the creation and the universe 
and all the things that God has made. Yet at the same time, paradoxically, like like we said before, man is made in God's image and Christ saw fit to, right. even though he was God, he saw fit to come and be a man, to redeem man, and to assign his angels to to guard and guide and protect us. That, that in some sense, there's there's it sort of stands on its head in some ways that that um, the the guiding and protecting of man is is in some ways the a, an extremely and maybe even the the most important task of those angels. Yeah, hard to say. I don't yeah. think we completely understand where we mm-hmm. fit, other than that that over time and the fulfillment of God's plan, we rise to right. to this. But all that we can look at is our interaction with them. Mm-hmm. But I think the important thing to remember is that there's things that are beyond our capacity to understand. Yeah. So I don't want to beat up on this yeah, like, yeah, hierarchy no. of angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's let that go, because we're running out of time. And I we were going to talk about demons. We didn't even talk about demons. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think we're going to have to hold the demons over another episode, because there's a whole other thing that we haven't talked about. And I know anybody who's listening to this wants you to get to, and that's guardian angels. So, yeah. you know, maybe we talk about that and hold over the demons to the, to another episode. Okay, sure. So, guardian angels. Yeah, well, we've already talked about them a little bit. So, so God has assigned in his providence an angel to each individual, certainly each Christian, but I, I think it's pretty well attested in, in the tradition that any, any human has, has an angel assigned to them because this is a sort of personal touch of God's love for each of us. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to be to be saved. And he he wants that so much that he's willing to put a guy on the job for each one of us. And so there's there's an invisible helper or guide for each person. They can't, you know, make us and God's not going to override our free will and, and just say, you have to you have to come to me and 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 choose to obey me. But the the angel is going to use what influence it has to try and help us in that direction okay a couple questions number one are guardian angels a dogmatic teaching of the catholic church yeah it's in the catechism we know that they exist jesus talks about them in the gospel right i mean because protestants you know don't talk about guardian angels but Mm -hmm. we are saying this is a dogmatic teaching catholics can and should and must believe in guardian angels correct yeah to deny them would would be an error and then to obstinately deny them when corrected would be a heresy right yeah and specifically, what does your guardian angel do and not do? Well, I, I said a little bit before, your guardian angel doesn't, you know, grab you by the hair and make you do things or, you know, control your mind or something. But the guardian angel can suggest things to you, can can uh, seek to, to influence you. It can protect you from, from physical and spiritual dangers. It can, it can try to influence the the environment around you in order to help you to come towards God. We A lot of it's mysterious. We don't know exactly how angels work or the So, the so when people say, my guardian angel, like Jesus take the wheel or whatever, my guardian angel kept me from hitting a telephone pole. Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't let go of the wheel on purpose to find out. But <laughs> No, but I mean, people have stories yeah, like yeah, this, that, right? That, that is definitely within the realm of possibility. And you say, like you say, your guardian angel can suggest things to you. Mm-hmm. And that, so you have that comic, you know, cartoon thing where there's the angel on one shoulder and the mm-hmm. devil on the other shoulder whispering in your ear. There's some, that's a, that's a, you know, a cartoon representation of it, but there's some truth to that, isn't there? Yeah, no, there, there is. And we don't, there's no dogma of the church whether there's a, a demon that has your number or not. I think that's derived from Muslim theological speculation. It may be that there's a specific demon who's who's trying to Maybe. to get my head. But there certainly is a but specific angel, an angel who right who yeah. kind of tries to you know whisper influence you. But that doesn't take away your 
your will, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's another important point, right, about what your guardian angel does. And what is that? Your guardian angel actually is kind of an intermediary because he does what? He stands before. Sure. Yeah. So when, Talk about when, that. when, when Christ uh, refers to angels in the gospel, he says um, that they stand before the throne of God, that they're always standing before the throne of God. So, so there's... Representing. Yeah, uh, interceding, and and also, it, as we talked about before, simply worshiping and glorifying God. So that the angel kind of has his face, not literally because he doesn't have a physical face, but has his face pointed in two directions: earthward towards you, and heavenward towards God. And he's trying to sort of make the two the two come together. You go right. towards towards God. He's not just sort of. Well, it, it, don't don't imagine him as cut off from heaven by being no. on earth. So, in a sense, you always have an advocate mm-hmm. in the throne room before God, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. In, in addition, of course, to the to the saints and to our right. lady, but, but yeah, you have, you have an, an, an angelic, angelic advocate who is standing, an intercessor who is standing there, in a sense, representing or advocating, and then mediating to some degree. Not mediating in a sense of sin, like Christ, mm-hmm. but sort of. Being a, 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 a conduit of yeah, he's God. He's God's instrument. Yeah, God's instrument in your life, and that all of us are assigned a guardian angel, or I don't know. That's like how it's done. Like you know, they yeah, we don't know if they're in a line but, or something. Yeah, right. But in a sense, all of us are receive or are assigned a guardian angel mm-hmm. that that is accompanies us through our and, life. And and in the tradition, there's a strong idea of the angel being especially attentive to you at your death and leading right. leading you to heaven leading your soul to heaven when it exits your body or sadly or if, yeah not being able to do anything if you yeah well okay we've covered angels and the goal of this conversation was <laughs> get to angels and demons we should have known yeah well there's no way we're gonna get through that so here's what like to do is we're gonna not today because we've got some time constraints but we're gonna record another episode very soon about demons mm-hmm. And maybe at that time, we can also talk about, since we're going to talk about demons, we can also maybe do one about how they work and influence and temptation. We got to go about like the screw tape letters yeah, and some yeah. of this kind of stuff and, and how they operate within us and within our lives, not within us, but within yeah. our lives and within our world and how maybe bring that back around to this whole thing where we started with the UFOs, which is how do they influence potentially the world? And I want to also come back to this weird thing about you know, the non-human intelligences and, and the Nephilim. Sure, what, yeah, you've dropped that word a few times. We didn't explain it. Yeah, we're going to have to get into that. So anyway, we're, we're going to stop for today, and we'll pick this up soon. Okay, so, sounds good. All right, thanks, Corey. Yep. All right, bye. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.